0: Today we uh, embark on a new transition in our study of Paul's letter to the Galatians, and if you brought your Bible, please make your way to Galatians chapter 4 this morning. There's an insert in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with the message today, and if you'd like an insert or like to borrow a Bible, our ushers would be happy to help you right now. Just raise your hand and they'll help you out. Today, as I said, as a major transition in Paul's letter, we step over kind of a line, and I'm looking looking forward to this. is just the introduction of where he he's just going to. We just have time to do a little bit today. Um, there's a there's a lot here that I I believe, and a person experience, it as life transforming truth, not just propositional, creedal statements. I've really um, experienced a inner life transformation through the truths that are right here. I hope this. I hope that God gives you the same sense. Um, I don't think we really be- I'll get into this later. I won't give the whole dump the whole truck today. But I, I just don't think we really. I know I did not really believe this. And God really convicted me. You need you need, to, you need to believe this. I said, okay, I'll try. Um, I'm just amazed at how resistant I was to, to this in my own experience. But anyway, that's, it, you'll see as time goes on where this is going. But I hope you can keep joining us Sunday mornings. I think the best is yet to come. To get us started, though... Uh, gotta do it. It's my nature. Mother complained to her doctor that her, he, her daughter just developed some very strange eating habits. Doctor says, well, what, what's she doing? She's just, she's just lying in bed and she, all she does is eat yeast and car wax. What's gonna happen to her, doc? Doctor said, don't worry. Eventually, she will rise and shine. Best I got today, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, well, the Bible actually is filled with, the same thing the doctor said, Eventually, eventually, The scripture, in the scripture, there's, there's sometimes a lot of time between what God has promised and when God fulfills it. But eventually, God keeps his promise. There were many, many milestones in biblical history marking the fulfillment of promise after promise after promise. And as we move through life, we go through many milestones indicating we're growing up, we're becoming more mature, we are enjoying things we couldn't before because we're just growing. We're moving through these milestones. And usually, milestones of promise come with the promise of blessing, receiving greater and greater privileges as time goes on, as we mature. Uh, for instance, when we start driving, it's a major milestone. Or when we begin voting, we get, get the privilege to vote. Or when we graduate high school or college, and One of the most significant milestones is if the Lord leads us to get married, that's a significant uh, promise of blessing that happens in many of our lives. What I want to say is there are also milestones in our spiritual life, too. There are certain indications that we've come of age spiritually. And that's what Paul's going to begin talking about this morning in Galatians 4. The first and most significant milestone of coming of age spiritually is when we actually place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Coming of age in the faith is what Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians about as, as we begin chapter 4. So I invite you to listen. Uh, we'll talk about it just by way of introduction today. There's so much here, um, but I need to back up and run into chapter 4 so you get the flow of his uh, words here and how profound they are. So uh, back up to verse, chapter 3, verse 26. I'll just break up and I'm going to run right into chapter 4 so you get the context. He begins in chapter 3, verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to promise. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner Of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Let's stop right there. I'm telling you, it's going to take me a while to parse all of this. So just, just get us started today. First of all, what he's saying is dramatic changes take place in our life when we believe in Jesus. The most dramatic change, I'm convinced it happens, Paul delineates right here our status before God himself changes radically. When the Galatians believed in Jesus, he's saying to them, their spiritual status changed immediately. Here's what he says, verse 3, 20, chapter 3, verse 26, you became sons of God through faith in Christ. They went right from children and slaves to free adults the moment they believed in Jesus. They received privileges they did not have before. And to illustrate his point, actually, what Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, now he's using, he's, I'm, he's saying basically, let me use a human example to explain the truth of what happens to us through the gospel. So he pulls an example from the Greco-Roman culture. Here's how Romans did things. And uh, so he says that the Galatians 4, what, now I say as long as the, as the heir is a child, so you got a, you got a father in the Roman culture. Let's say he's a wealthy father in Roman culture. As long as that child, as long as that person is a child, he's no different from a slave in the Roman culture. He hasn't come of age yet. He's he doesn't differ from a slave, Paul says, although he's he does own everything. He's under the guardians, uh, and managers until the date set by the father major milestone takes place where you get the promise of privileges and responsibility you never had before. Prior to this time set by the father, that child is no better than a slave, even though he's right in the household where everything is. So in the Roman culture, which is Paul's drawing from this as an example, an analogy, a metaphor, Okay, keep this in mind, even though your father was wealthy, you were no different than the status of a slave until you came of age. And when was that decided? When the father decided it was time. That's Roman culture. Let's say you didn't have a wealthy father. <clears throat> Let's say you were an orphan. Well, in, the Ro- in Roman law, a wealthy person, a childless fa- uh, man, could actually adopt some a son to carry on his name and inherit his wealth after he, he was gone you could be adopted you could be legally adopted by a wealthy owner become his heir receive his inheritance when you came of age but until you came of age you didn't have access to the father's inheritance Paul said, you're no better than a slave. Now what Paul's doing is using this metaphor, this analogy, to teach us the truth of how we come of age spiritually before God our Father. Whether we're a Jew or a Gentile, doesn't matter who we are, when we come to faith in Jesus, we come of age spiritually. We become God's adopted sons who receive full rights as sonship by faith in him. Paul says, uh, verse 5, he might redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Do you realize what he's saying? God legally adopts us as his sons. God becomes our father, Jesus, our elder brother, and other believers our brothers and sisters immediately. Now, I want you to note this well. I will repeat this over the next few weeks at different occasions, but I'm going to say it here to get us started. Don't be thrown by the word son. He's not referring to gender. He's referring to status here. Look at what he says back in 326. You are all sons. Of God through faith in Christ. Then he goes on to verse 28. I don't care who you are. Jew, Gentile, male, female. He's not talking gender. He's talking status. Because in the Roman culture, the only one to receive the inheritance was the son. And Paul just broke down every single cultural barrier right here. That's not how God operates. You come to faith in Jesus, you are just the same as a son the Roman culture. It has nothing to do with gender here. It has everything to do with status. Before we believe in Jesus, though, we're not sons. We're no better than slaves. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we believe in Jesus, and Paul, we talked about this in chapter 3, and he, he re-ups it here. Uh, Paul describes our spiritual status three different ways. First, before we believed in Jesus, we were lawbreakers held in jail. We were children under the instruction of a tutor. We were slaves, helpless and powerless to the outside forces of the world, the flesh and the devil. But when we come to faith in Jesus, our status changes. We come of age. We're no longer, this is what Paul said. We are no longer a slave or a child, but a son. This is the part I don't think I really believed. Why? Because it didn't feel like it. That's what I'm going to talk about next week. God has an answer for that one. He did for me. He has for you. We're no longer a slave or a child. He embraces us. He adopts us as his son. I'm going to go on to make a case. It's the highest thing God could ever do for anyone. Galatians 4, 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God You know, since then our spiritual status has changed dramatically in coming to faith in Christ, two effects are really prominent that come out of that. One is how God now relates to us. He relates differently to sons. It also changes how we relate to him. Let the things Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount come flashing through your head. I mean, it did for me. I'm like, oh yeah, now it makes sense. Don't be anxious about anything. Your father knows what you need. Your father. He's your father. So, radical changes take place in our relationship to God as we've talked about before, what's interesting to me is if you you go back and read through the Old Testament, do you realize that in drawing near to God before Christ, it was dangerous and difficult? (laughs) You did so at your own peril. For instance, Exodus 19 at Sinai 12, verse 21, The Lord says to Moses, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, beware that you don't go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Why? Because God's there. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down, warn the people so they don't break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. You came near to him at your own peril. (laughs) You You better be in right standing. Go through the sacrifices and prepare yourself through the rituals that God presented. It's the only way you're getting close. Oh, but what's different? When we come of age, when we believe in Jesus, everything changes. The emphasis in the New Testament is on boldness and confidence. Come on in. Come on. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so we might receive mercy find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 10.19-20 Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, which in the Old Testament, only the high priest once a year could go in and offer sacrifices and pray not us as sons, we get to come in. We get to come in. Any time. Not because of who we are. We got Jesus. See, the Son in whom He was well pleased lives in us. And that's who He sees. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let's draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. We are able to come of age spiritually because, verse 4 and 5, when the fullness of time came, our Heavenly Father said, This is the time, this is when we come of age. I'm sending my son. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When God sent his son, Jesus, to redeem us, he just made it possible for us to come of age and receive the rights of sonship, believing in him. Our change in spiritual status occurs because, not because of us, it's because of what God's Son has done for us. He redeemed us. He came to us in the flesh, verse 4, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could take our place. This is the whole gospel message. Again, Paul's revisiting the gospel over and over and over again in his letter to the Galatians. Here it is again. He sent his son in the flesh to take our place and live a life perfectly on our behalf before God, fulfilling his law completely. And then dying a death which was ours to satisfy God's judgment and the judgment for our sin. Why? So he could redeem us. Notice the word. He did this, sent the son, verse 5, Underline, so that, so that he might redeem us. Paul says elsewhere, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19. Here's how he describes what's going on in that if I took verse 5 or 4 and 5 and just put it over here in 2 Corinthians, this is how he would describe it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Being in Christ... Is how we come of age spiritually. The moment we believe in Him, Paul describes that we're baptized into Christ. Chapter 3, verse 27 All you are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. His death is counted as our death. His resurrected life is given to us that we may live forever. His righteousness is counted as our righteousness. His Father becomes ours. In his letter to the Colossians 3.3, 3, Paul says, You have died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, in Galatians 4, Paul could have chosen a number of words to describe what Jesus did on our behalf. Salvation, justification, words he mentions elsewhere, atonement. Uh, but he chooses here the word redemption, intentionally. You want to know what the definition of redemption is? It's to pay the price for a slave's freedom. This is all about coming of age. It's all about leaving slavery and coming into sonship. Jesus made that possible. Jesus' blood for our sin was the necessary price to change our status from slave to son. But you need to remember, redemption isn't just about being delivered from something. It's about being delivered to something. From, like, like the, he delivered the children, redeemed them out of Egypt. Not just to cross over the border. They're, they're now his. We're, we're, they're going to something. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, Paul says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Before Christ came, it didn't matter who you, who you were or are, Jew or Gentile, as far as your status before God is concerned, you're either going to be a slave or a child. That changes when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you believe the good news of the gospel. That's the redemption. So, questions for evaluation. I'm just going to leave you... uh, This is just the start of this whole... uh, this whole thing. Um, And I'll share some personal stories. And like I said at the beginning, I said... One of the things I really struggled with, even in doing this study, I just couldn't, I didn't realize how far away I was from really believing this. You know why? Because I didn't feel like a son. You know what I felt like? And I still do sometimes. Like an orphan. Like, it's all up to me. Like, I gotta figure this out. Like, who's gonna provide? What am I going to do now to make it happen? That's orphan talk. It's not a son. We're going to have a lot more to say, but I can tell you once I started to grasp the truth of this stuff, my whole perspective in life has dramatically shifted. I'm really starting to believe that I'm his son. (laughs) That he actually loves me. He knows my name. He knows my needs before Anyway, when we come to faith in Christ, Paul point blank says, we're no longer slaves but sons. God is not just our God, he's our father. The Holy Spirit is not just a ghost, but the comforting, guiding presence of God within us. In fact, as we read earlier, when you believe in Jesus, you're a brand new creation. Anyone who's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So I leave you with two things. If you have not believed in Jesus, maybe it's time to pass through this milestone and believe in Jesus as your Savior. That's where you begin. You become a son He deals with you differently. You talk to him differently. If you have believed in Jesus, like me, maybe it's time to grow up. It's time to stop living as a slave, living as a child, recognizing the tremendous grace we've been given and access to the creator of the universe in one simple step of faith. Your creator becomes your father. I can't think of any better blessing than that. So I'm going to end right there. We'll continue the discussion next week. Father, thank you today for the truth that you are our father through faith in Jesus. We are your sons, adopted because jesus you sent Jesus to redeem us through his shed blood for our sins. Lord, I pray that there's anyone here today that's never taken advantage and come to faith in Jesus and come of age spiritually, that they would take this opportunity to embrace that truth and believe in Jesus, the, one, the Messiah you sent to save us. And I pray for all of the rest of us who have believed that we would start to realize, embrace, and live out the truth that we are now sons. We're not slaves. We're not children. You treat us as sons. So help us. Help us not only believe it, but let that truth sink in deep and recognize your love is always there. Nothing can separate us from your love. You chose to adopt us in love. Help us now to live that out as your sons. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.